I got a little more modest. And instead of thinking about my career or my ambition or the mark I'm going to make, I'm just thinking about photos. I'm just thinking about how fun it is the next thing I'm going to make. Welcome to the Way Up North podcast. This is where we get to know the speakers presenting at Europe's wedding photography conference, Way Up North. We're not interested in which apertures they use or what they carry in their camera bags. Instead, we aim to get to know them a little bit better as people. My name is Jacob, and in a few moments you'll hear my colleague Cole interviewing Anna Cooperberg. When we first started out in wedding photography many years ago, uh, there were a few names that stood out, names that everyone knew of. Anna Cooperberg was one of those people, and she's still as big today as she was back then. It's impressive how some people manage to stay on the top uh, over such a long period of time. Why that is, we'll hear in Cole's talk with Anna. So, are you Swedish? Because your last name I'm sounds... Polish. You're Polish. Yeah, we, uh, we left Poland... Um... When my uh, my mother was very pregnant with me in and eight and a half months pregnant actually, and we had to leave um, for political problems, and um, came to Sweden, who was accepting political refugees, um, put us in a refugee camp. In in Sweden. Yeah, in Istad. I'm I'm not pronouncing that. Yeah, right. yeah, Istad in, in the southern Istad. part. The yeah, southern I part. I don't speak Swedish anymore, but. Um, and when I say refugee camp, I don't want you to think it looked like, you know, what you see on TV uh, in Somalia. It was a hotel. Okay. It was a cute little bed and breakfast. But but they put us there and uh, gave us, uh, you know, the essentials and taught us Swedish. Us. I, I was born two weeks after we got there. Wow. That, um, that's an insane... That's crazy that your mom had to do that at that point in the pregnancy. I guess you well, don't have a it was choice, very but scary. And I was actually late. I was due a week before. No, I think it was ten days before. I think we left on August twenty eighth, and I was due on September tenth. Um, she was worried I would be born on the ferry. You know. Oh, really. Um, and then we got, they got there, and my older brother was two years old, and they got there, and um, I was born on September 20th, but it was a pretty stressful time, um, and they hadn't been allowed to take anything with them. Anyway, it all worked out well, because uh, we got to Sweden, and um, the Swedish government was very helpful and generous, and then my dad got a job, they're both both of my parents are mathematicians. My dad got a job teaching at Stockholm University. So then we went up to Stockholm and stayed there for three years. And then we um, came to America when I was three. So you're, I guess like your parents got a position at a school in the States or something like that? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. First we went to Houston, Texas. And my, my dad had finished his degree at, at Warsaw, barely. But my mom hadn't had a chance to finish her PhD. So she finished at Rice University, which is in... Houston, Texas, um, and we were there for two years, and then we moved to a small town in Alabama called Auburn, which is a college town, And when I was five, and then I grew up there. So 
I mean, you're obviously pretty far removed from um, Sweden and Poland, um, but do you have any connections there now? Like, I have I cousins. Yeah. I have an aunt and uncle in Lund, um, and uh, my cousins are in Malmö. Okay. Yeah. But but I mean, you don't have any like Swedish. Um, you don't feel Swedish or whatever. You have no like uh, passport or anything. You don't travel. No, there. no. I we never got citizenship to there. Um, I guess we would have had we stayed, but we didn't. And and I forgot the language. I mean, apparently I spoke Swedish at a three-year-old level. Um, wow, better than me, means. and I live here. Huh? Whenever I hear stuff like that, I, it breaks my heart because I'm so bad at Swedish, and I've lived here for years now. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I was a little kid. And then I spoke, but Polish is my first language, and I spoke Polish at home and Swedish outside. And yeah. then we came to the States, and I completely forgot Swedish. <laughs> just deleted it from the brain. Perfect. Well, maybe it's there. I don't know. I, I don't have the key to it. All right. So just like now this has nothing to do with you, maybe personally, but it kind of came to my mind because of like the timeliness of it. Like you're in San Francisco, so pretty far removed from Sweden and Poland and these types of places. But the refugee crisis that's happening right now, like surely, do you hear about it a lot in the States? Oh, Is yeah. it even a big deal? It's a huge deal. I mean, it's heartbreaking. Because, like, the, I, you know, being Canadian, I, you know, follow some of the American news channel. And all I hear about is Trump wanting to build a wall and, you know, yeah. ban Muslims. You know, you hear about a lot of the sensational journalism. But what what actually gets reported with this uh, refugee type of crisis, the real crisis and that's going on? I didn't know you were Canadian. I'm Canadian. Eh? And you're living over there? Yeah. My wife's a Swede. Ah, okay, that makes sense. No, you sound Canadian. I should have figured that out. Um, well, I don't want to get too much into politics. Um, it's a good thing, Anna. All right, whatever. Um, yes, it's it's something that people talk about a lot here. Um, well, how political are you? I guess that was this was sort of you know, this I'm was the super gateway. Political, but I I don't get into it like in social media very much because. What happens, this is why, I'm super political in my personal life, but I have clients that have, and not just clients, but other photographers, friends, whoever, who, who have politics that are different from mine, and I feel like it'll drive a wedge between two people who actually have a lot in common. You know, you'll have two people, if they don't know each other's politics, they, 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 they'll be friends, they, they, they have a lot to talk about, they have a lot in common, they have compassion for each other. But once you find out this one's on the red team and that one's on the blue team, then they hate each other. They don't hate each other. They don't. Tr they might still like each other, but there's a distance or they don't trust each other or they're suddenly there's a there seems to be a wedge there that wasn't there. It wouldn't have been there if you if they did, hadn't brought up politics, and then now everybody's mad at everybody. Is so, it is it really that dramatic? Like like we're talking about kind of a this is a random topic all of a sudden, but I'm really interested. Like, is it really yeah. that that separated? You're on the red team. You're on the blue team. It, it, like in America, yeah. it is more divided than in Canada. I don't know how Sweden is, but it, Canadians are, I think. Uh, more civil and more they don't take their their politics as as in such a tribal kind of way they have an opinion but it doesn't it doesn't um no they, they're not as divisive i think in america it tends to be a little more polarized 
Yeah. So Paul, so. so politics affects your business and, and I'm not talking about tax rates and things like that. Like it affects like how you present yourself. I just don't talk about it. But if it, if I did, um, if I had a, a client who, um, thought who had a different, a very different political position, then if I brought it up, it would create a kind of um, friction that wow. I don't like. And I prefer to talk about what we have in common. It could create a friction, you know? Or if I posted an opinion on Facebook, and, and if I had a, some clients that didn't, you know, if I said, you know, vote for so-and-so, and then a bunch of my clients might think, I'm not voting for that person, it might just make them feel um, like a little, a little bit more distance, you know, yeah. not angry, angry, but kind of more distant or it would, it, it puts up a barrier that doesn't need to be there. Maybe the bond would be stronger though, with those who agreed with you. It probably would, <laughs> but who cares? I don't want to just, you know, sit here and keep reconfirming everybody's opinions that they already have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm happy to talk about politics in my family, with my best friends and, it is important to me. That stuff is important. Yeah. Well, okay. So now just kind of like change directions a little and, and hang in there with me when I say this, like you, you've been a, a prof professional photographer for longer than one of the presenters in Rome has been alive. So you've been around, <laughs> That's great. you've been around the block a while. We're so old. No, no, no. Just hang in there, hang in there, hang in there. So I, I bring that up. Not, not, to you know talk about your age necessarily but there's a longevity in what you've done and and what have you learned along the way like politics don't talk about it like what other sorts of things oh, right. like allow you to be in the game as long as you've been in it because not many people have right like it's it's a profession that you can drift in and out of but you're you've been at the top of it for a very long time yeah and i should also say that you know, I didn't start out as a wedding photographer. I was a photojournalist, and I was working for um, newspapers and magazines freelance. Although, even in the beginning, like I shot my first wedding when I was still in college. So um, even in the beginning, I was shooting weddings on the side for many, many years. Um, but I thought of myself as a photojournalist, and I worked for newspapers and magazines freelance. But as you probably know, that doesn't pay very well. And I would kind of just take whatever job came along. Somebody want a headshot, whatever. I would do a lot of, I was kind of stringing together a lot of little different odd jobs. Um, with the intention really of doing fine art and having a fine art career. And, and I figured all these other little jobs would support that. And then I came to a time in 2005 really when I just said, oh, I'll just focus on weddings because I really liked weddings. And ironically, I found it more creative, more creatively fulfilling and more gratifying than the, than the magazine work I was doing, which was ironically less documentary, less uh, real, and kind of more, it, the magazine things I was doing would be like, oh, we're going to do an article about the 10 best day spas in Napa or, you know, maybe a portrait of a chef, which is nice, but it wasn't, it, it didn't, it didn't really strike me as a very, um, deep, uh, 
topic. Whereas I would go to weddings and there's all this emotion and, and relationships and laughing and crying. And um, I'd had a preconception that there was something fakey about weddings, but it turned out to be the other way that it felt more genuine and more, 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 more action photography, things moving, people interacting. I mean, the, the benefit I have of having done it a long time, I think is that, and now I'm getting around to your question. Um, I've gotten a lot calmer in the face of conflict. Um, so like not talking about politics is one example, but even just um, managing people who might be nervous or um, tactfully uh, responding to an email, things like that, that used to really kind of push my buttons. And I am kind of a, an opinionated and, um, you know, I'm kind of a loud mouth. I'm kind of a person that just uh, blurts out whatever I'm thinking. And I've had, I've learned how to, I still do that, but I've learned how to do it in a, in a more tactful, <laughs> in a more temperate way. And also just to not take things per personally. So one example is what, which I see a lot with, with new people is they shoot the wedding, they deliver the wedding and they don't hear anything back. And a week passes, two week passes and they're and they're just terrified. They're thinking, Oh, she hates the pictures. Why didn't she respond? I haven't heard anything back. And one thing that you learn after doing a long time is like people are just busy. The bride's on, on honeymoon or she's busy with something else or she thought she wrote back to you. She meant to, you know, people are just, they're huge procrastinators. And if you think about it, I don't necessarily thank every, I don't write a thank you note to every, to my hairdresser or my car mechanic or everybody who provides a good service for me. It would be nice, mm -hmm. um, but they're not thinking of you as much as you're thinking about yourself. So I see a lot of people like reading into, you know, reading into the client tensions and making it more about themselves than it probably is. So like about two minutes ago, uh, yeah. like people like we're doing a video discussion here um, so yeah. I can see you, but obviously people can't. But about hey. two about two minutes ago, your cat stepped off your mic and oh, the audio became a lot better. Oh, I'm but so I, sorry. But I bring she up the, I bring up audio. the, like I bring up the cat because I could see your cat, and behind you is a big picture of a dog on your wall. Oh yeah, that's Venus. So, part of the reason why we're like wanted you to come to Rome and present at the event is, uh, you've sort of deviated a little bit away from weddings, and it seems yeah. like you're doing families and you're doing animals and you're I'm doing. I'm deviant. So what's what's the trick there? Do you get did you get bored a little bit with one and then moved gravitate more towards the other, or is there is there a secret to dog photography that wedding photographers haven't figured out yet? I think there's a secret to keeping moving and keep keeping curious. Um, I mean, did you? Because I'm, I have the impression that you wanted me to talk about weddings. Talk about why. Talk about, talk about okay. how you've been doing this for so long. I mean, that, that's that's really the most. That's the that's the most interesting thing, I, or one of the most interesting things for me about you is like, how have you done this for so long? And and that's why you know, segued right. it into what you're doing now. Okay. Well, 
Yeah, I, not, I'm not bored per se, but I got super interested in kids and dogs. And I feel like it's definitely important, and not just my example, but anybody. I've seen people, maybe they're, they're, they've been doing photography for a long time. Hold on, somebody just came. Hi. Okay, come on in. Um, maybe, you're, maybe you've been doing photography for a long time, and then you get curious about video. And then video is your hobby, and then eventually you switch and start doing video. You've seen that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I feel like it's so important, whatever you're doing, to not get complacent and to keep staying curious. And don't worry in the beginning what the business model of it is. Just keep, stay, keep interested in something. So for me right now, that is kids and dogs. And then it started with just taking pictures of my own dog. And then my dog's friends, and then I put those on the, on, and then I created a section on my website of dogs. And then people liked it, and then they would hire me to photograph their dog. Or if not, it would attract the particular wedding client that, that loves dogs or who has dogs in their wedding or wants to include the dog in the engagement shoot. So one thing kind of led to another. And mostly it's because I just like to keep, I like to keep changing. Um, do you have, do you have, is that like your personality in play in a big way there? Like, do you, do you feel like, are you the kind of person who can't sit still, for example? Like, do you, do you need yeah. to like, do you have a lot of things on the go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, I say that I'm like, well, and I also have been shooting weddings since, you know, that first one I told you I shot in college was 1990. Although, Honestly, between 1990 and 2005, I only shot 100 weddings over those 15 years because it was like a few every year. And I, and I didn't get to be full-time wedding photographer till 2005. But still, that's already 10 years. And now I'm kind of like transitioning fewer and fewer weddings and more and more kids and dogs, which I'm super excited about. You like do you the dog the the dog and animal photography that you do like I know we don't want to talk too much politics but is there like are you active in you know animal mistreatment and those types of things outside of the actual photography like are you a proactive person politically with dogs for example or human rights or things like that like what do you do outside of photography Um I should I no the only kind of thing I do that's I would call activist is I donate a money to certain things um, but I don't do any volunteer work or anything like that I um, I probably would benefit from that <laughs> but I've always thought well you know I could either volunteer at this thing like I could volunteer at a shelter or I could shoot a wedding that Saturday and then give the money to the shelter like what's going to make more impact yeah. you know and my little few hours of sweeping a dog kennel I think might be better replaced with with a, a job and then just give them the money they yeah could do more. they could do more with that money than with my hours that's been my justification but I think that it would be a good idea I love that do, answer it's like to do more. I, I really like that answer because it's I don't know it's like it's I'm very a, practical yeah that's golden <laughs> like there's no <laughs> bullshit it's very nice it's refreshing yeah 
I mean, I try to pay attention. Like now, I'm trying not to buy products that were tested on animals. Things like, you know, makeup and hair products. I look at the back and see if it wasn't tested on animals.、Mm-hmm. I think they don't even have that in Sweden. That's illegal, right?、Uh, like testing products on、yeah. animals. I'm not、yeah. sure. I have no idea.、I'm, I think the laws are different in I'm, Europe. I'm just like a lost expat over here, not knowing、Whatever. what's going on most of the time. So,、yeah. like on Facebook and、uh, other things, when someone kind of is able to look at what you do, you seem pretty active. Like you're, I don't know, you're surfing and doing. I don't know. Was it Tumblr yoga or something <laughs> like? Like, like who are you? Like, are you? What kind of stuff do you do outside of weddings? Yeah, I started this new sport. It's called acro yoga, and it's really kind of silly. It's not yoga. It's called acro yoga, but it's really more acro acrobatics than yoga. It's like a little bit gymnastics, a little bit yoga, a little bit cheerleading style. You know, like people standing on people.、Um, <laughs> but it's and some people that do acro yoga also have a dance or a martial arts background, so it. Com- Binds a lot of different kinds of things,、yeah. and it's also kind of a new sport. So they're just the people who invented it are still inventing it.、Um, and I love it because you get to do. And this is so funny. This is not what I thought I'd be talking about. But I love it because I did gymnastics as a kid, and this is something that you get to do at any age. The problem with gymnastics is that it's really, really high impact. It'll destroy your jo- your joints, and that's why people don't really do it after like their late twenties. They don't, you know, you can't continue doing gymnastics. You don't see a sixty year old doing handsprings, but you can do acro yoga because it's very、um, there's no high impact, but it's as difficult. It still requires the control and the strength and the balance of gymnastics. It's not high impact. It's social because、um, it, you have it's like two or more people, basically one person holding the other person up, and it's a it's got a little bit of yoga in it, in that it's very、um, kind of safe on your joints,、uh, and there's a more emphasis on doing things properly and not destroying、mm. your joints, but. It's completely different from yoga in that it's social. Yoga is meditative and inward, and acro yoga is social. This sounds so like California to me. Yeah, like open-minded, no, progressive、whatever. health. Yeah, I like it. The, none of the the they don't call them poses; they call them tricks. None of the tricks you do have any Sanskrit names. They're all the names are all in English, and they're all silly, and they're all just made up last year. You know, so you don't have acro yoga. Logos tattooed all over your body. No, it's and it's not serious in that kind of way. Yeah, it's it's much more playful. So, like, you're a healthy, active kind of person. Like, do, what's do you have kids?、I'm、do you、trying. have a, Do you have a family? Like, I, I no, I have a wife, and I have these animals here.、Okay. One dog and one cat right now. How long have you been married? Well, we've been together for seventeen years. Oh wow.、Um, We couldn't. The marriage is a kind of a long story. We couldn't legally get married till two thousand and four. In California, that, or where? In in San in, yeah in San Francisco. But the way that happened was very tricky. It actually there was no law passed about it. Just our mayor just decided. He was like, "Well, I read the California 
constitution and I think everybody should be treated equally. That's how I read it. And so he just opened up marriage to everybody in 2004, but he didn't go through the proper legal channels. So there's only about a two week window where you could get married and everybody ran down to city hall and got married really quickly. And then they shut it down. I had no idea. That's really interesting. The California Supreme Court shut it down. But we were there. In fact, we were the last people and they shut it down. In fact, as we were leaving city hall, we were, we were, walking out the door on our way to go get uh, our little, you know, go to the restaurant and get our champagne and cake. And Carla's sister, Susie, called from New York. And she answers the phone and she goes, did you hear they just shut it down? And we're like, no, we just got married. And she's like, no, they just shut it down. It's all over CNN, all over the news. And uh, sure enough, I don't know if we were the last or the next to the last, but we found out about it as we were leaving City Hall, and we were like, well, I guess we're still married, but in fact, that one got annulled. It took four years to go through the courts, and finally in 2008, the Supreme Court agreed with the mayor and said, yeah, it should be legal. So again, in 2008, they opened it back up. We got married again. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, except (laughs) (laughs) in 2009, the voters voted to change the Constitution to make it illegal again. And they voted. It was a super close vote. It was like 51 to 49 percent. It was very upsetting. You probably heard about it. Um, uh, And that was called Prop 8. So then they shut it down again in 2009, although we were still legally married. They couldn't take that away that time. But it was a kind of a weird place to be. Like we were legally married, but nobody else could be. So I was like, just don't get divorced (laughs) because you can't marry anybody else. So then... uh, that was 2009, and then in 2013, the the Supreme Court, the federal Supreme Court, overruled that. You know, because you're not supposed to have anything in the Constitution to discriminate against people, and they said that that was that that what the way the voters had changed the the California Constitution was against the U.S. Constitution, and so now it's back legal again. Now it's legal everywhere, yeah. all over the country. Before it was state by state. And yeah. now it's like all over the country, it's legal. But that wasn't until 2013. So a lot of other countries were sooner. Canada. I think Canada was. For example, Canada. Yeah. Well, like I, to be honest with you, I had, I had no idea that you had a wife. And it, it's not really, huh. it's not like, in, like, I guess I'm Canadian in, in Canada. Well, you know, we don't hang out that often. Yeah. But in Canada, it's like not, I would say it's not a big deal. And what I mean by that is like, okay, it's same sex relationship. It's that to me is not a big deal at this point in my life Be- just because it's like it's cool it I don't, doesn't matter however after the event that we did in stockholm uh last october we sent out um post-event questionnaires to the attendees you know asking how can we improve etc cetera, etc cetera. and it was interesting how many people wrote i think there was about 10 people who wrote that there were not enough um, presenters who were involved in same-sex relationships so to try and like to try and turn that into a question like has that been a big deal being in a same sex relationship with your like with your oh, business business-wise? yeah with with like yeah with your business um has that been a big deal like the, I don't want to sound aloof about it and and that because it's like you know it's a serious topic but like I bring it up because it did somehow connect to the last event and and there are people curious about that um Maybe it was more 20 years ago. I think there's there's definitely a lot of prejudice still. But if people are 
prejudice, they probably don't hire me to begin with. I mean, and if they were really prejudiced, they'd have a hard time planning a wedding at all because how are they going to find a florist who's not gay, a hairdresser, a makeup artist? So it's really hard to be that bigoted in San Francisco. You won't find anybody to work with. Um, but I see, yeah, I mean, sometimes I see people make uh, really kind of bigoted jokes at what, like, usually it's the guests. It's not the bride and groom, but it's the guests. And that's kind of upsetting. But I see it in the world. It's not, it's not specific to weddings. It's in the world. Well, I, like, I don't know if that answers your question. No, I, I, I don't know. It's, I guess I'm asking because I'm thinking of those people who wrote that in the questionnaire answers. And it's, it's kind of ironic that we're talking about this because really I, I don't really plan these conversations. They just sort of like happen as it is with you right now. But now I'm thinking about those people. And there was like, I don't know, 10 to 15 of them who wrote, why were there no presenters who were in a same-sex relationship? And I'm wondering why they asked that. And, and, and I can only assume it's because they're experiencing something with their own business that connects to that, that they would like to hear from someone in that situation. So, so I don't know specifically what to ask, but I'm just, it's like an interesting topic to me and, and seeing as you're, you know, well, they want to see themselves represented, I think. Have you had people come to you in your, your years and they're in a scenario where they're like my, uh, you know, my sexual preferences are affecting my business. Like, have you ever been in a counselor role type of scenario for people like that? No, let me think about it. They wouldn't say that. What what used to happen until recently, what used to happen is that you didn't see many lesbians, but you would see gay guys in this industry, a lot of gay guys. But the lesbians would just kind of like, it was not, weddings was just not an interesting, it was too... Like the the predominantly straight culture was just too overwhelming, really. Uh, and they and yeah, and they would probably and they make him feel icky and sort of an outsider. Um, so they would probably just avoid the whole industry until recently. That's what I would have seen ten or twenty years ago. Interesting. Or even people would come up to me, "Why do you want to shoot weddings? Like, ooh, you know, like it's so, like the." overwhelming straight culture is so um and by that i mean the whole package like the fancy engagement ring and the you know all the kind of um the hallmark the pretense of it yeah which is kind of like all wrapped up in this heterosexual package which is very kind of disney-like and (laughs) and fairy tale like i've never really thought of it that way but you're you're really right it kind of all goes together and kind of like uh, if you're outside of that culture, it just seems icky, you know. And so I remember t- 10 or 15 years ago having to explain to people like, well, yeah, there is that. And there's also I have these fabulous clients who are who are really in love and wonderful. And, you know, um, I'm I'm more in you know I would have to sort of justify why why was it even interesting to me um now not now I think it's it's changing although I have to say there's more gay men still than lesbians 
in the whole industry, I yeah. think. I, I haven't counted. It just seems that way. So around, I think you said it was 2008 and 2009. That's when your second marriage, if you want to call it yeah. that. Like that's when it you know, became legal or whatever you want to say again. And then it was in 2013 again. Is that, is that how it went? Well, yeah, the 2008 marriage stuck. That They didn't annul it. So that stuck. And then it's just that in 2009, nobody else could get married until 2013. Then, this, then the Supreme Court opened it up for the whole country. Okay. So now it's legal in the whole country. So, okay. And I think that has changed people's minds and people's awareness so that if people are um, bigoted, they'll at least not say it out loud yeah. that people are starting to become nicer. Okay, well, I'll try to like sensitive. sort of try to connect the dots here <laughs> a little bit. Like when we first started talking here, you kind of um, alluded to the fact that you keep your, you, for the most part, you keep your political opinions like offline. You you don't put things out there because you don't want friction. But when yeah. when something that big happens, like oh yeah yeah that's true. Like if somebody was against gay marriage, forget it. I just wouldn't work with them. Because really? that's just mean. Yeah, of course. I mean. Well, it's easy to say, of course, now, I, I guess, but it hasn't always been that way. But yeah. have you, have you, do you have actual experiences with people like that? I do, but I've always been so out. And I also just approach everybody with the presumption that they like me and that they're going to be delighted to meet me. And, that, and I, have, I have to operate that way. Um, I think that's the only way it works. Yeah. Um, so I feel like if anybody did have... If they were so anti-gay that they felt strong, you know, they know before coming in, into meeting me. Okay. So they would self, you know what I mean? They would self-select yeah. not to book me. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it makes sense. It's common sense, I think. So we don't need to keep going on this topic. But it, it is really interesting because I apparently I've been living in a, you know, with the blinders on because I had no idea. But anyways, so you're in San Francisco and it's... Well, I don't know who you're married to. This isn't about Somebody's this Swedish. isn't about me. This is nobody I know, cares I'm just about saying, me. Like, how, yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, but I I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. One thing I wanted to talk to you about was like you you've been based in San Francisco, you know, that's like your home city more or less if after Alabama and whatnot. Like Yeah, I've been here now for twenty three years. Yeah. Did your cat just go on your mic, by the way? No, sorry. Maybe it got tangled up. Okay. <laughs> sorry. No, she's somewhere. Anyway, but with San Francisco, like, I don't know. In my opinion, it's probably the most competitive region for photographers in general anywhere. Maybe New York is more competitive, but it's right up there. And you've been at the top where, you know, you've been well-respected for a long time and you, you seem to be doing pretty well. Like... What? How do you stay remain atop this competitive region for so long? Like, or do you think that way? Do you think more of yourself as an artist or an entrepreneur who keeps that competitive drive yeah. going? Wow, that's a really hard question. There are so many really terrific um, new young photographers, and it's very exciting. Um, well, right there, you sort of answered yeah. it a little bit like why I would did? you well i'm just interpreting it a little bit like you think it's exciting but that, that's a real positive answer and a positive outlook and does that sort of like maybe i'm assuming too much but does that mean you, you're not worried about other people you're like cool there's lots of great talent I'll yeah just do my own thing. I, I think that that 
Yes, I I definitely think that you know we kind of exist as a community. Like like you you go to these conferences and everybody's excited and everybody's learning from everybody. It's kind of like none of us would exist without all of us. Like if you think about the Italian Renaissance, was it a coincidence that so many talented people were in Florence in the 15th century, all concentrated in this tiny place at the same time? Like that's not a coincidence. You you couldn't have had you know, you couldn't have had just Leonardo by himself and none of the others or just Donatello. You, it, you, one led to the other, led to the other. It, it was a it was a community. No, no one of them could have existed alone. You wouldn't see it. Um, and they, and you see that with different, you know, like all the right now, there's all this creativity and high tech in Silicon Valley. And it's all kind of concentrated because they're kind of bouncing, bouncing off each other. So I do think that. Um, that community is really necessary. And also, it's so exciting to see somebody um, just out of college who's really young and talented and they're doing things with their phone that I didn't know existed. You know what I mean? And they're showing, they're showing me their app or that now I have to go, I'm curious and I want to go learn about it. So all of this kind of new information is really important to keep the, I mean, how boring would it be if it was just the same people? Yeah. Wow. You know, that'd yeah. be so boring. And then repeating ourselves. If I didn't have this whole, you know, all this competition and all these fabulous young talented people, it would if it was just me, I would just get kind of complacent and boring and then I'd be bored. And then the clients would be bored. It would it you know, it would start to um it would start to be repetitive. So you feed, like, do you feed and get curious and get motivated from your peers as much as your clients? Yeah, totally. And at the same time, I under it does drive prices down a lot, a lot of talent. But maybe it drives the prices up because the clients also respect it more because it's around them. Yeah. You know, have you in your like, let's just stick with weddings just for the sake of the listeners, I guess. But have you had a a, a kind of a big arc with your prices throughout your years or have you been pretty steady or like and what I mean by the arc? Have you like adjusted to the marketplace over time or have you always been like, I want to be the most expensive or, or what are your thoughts on that? Like. Well, I can tell you how I did it. I don't I don't know how much this is going to help anybody else, but what happened to me was I started out underpriced, and that was partly because I just didn't know any better. And I was underpriced I think for a while. And the upside to that is I got super busy for the first, you know, and when I when I say that, I mean starting in 2005 when I decided to focus exclusively on weddings and I got super super busy and then my business kind of boomed really quickly in 2005 2006 2007 and I was underpriced for a while and then I was too busy honestly I was really really running myself ragged I was overworking and especially the peak of that was 2009 because there was a recession and as you remember and a lot of my friends were saying, oh, I don't have any work. The work's drying up. Everywhere people were complaining that they couldn't get clients because of the recession. And I had clients. I was like, well, I'm working. I'm doing great. 
Um, but it made me panic because I thought, well, maybe this is just a temporary, you know, I'm just doing well for this year, for a couple of years. Maybe this is a temporary thing and I need to work as much as I can and just save money because the, the work might not be there later. I, I got a little panicky and I had a sense of urgency, like I'm just going to work, work, work as much as I can because I'm young and healthy and I can do it. And I, and I, I was very ambitious and I basically, uh, I, I, I went, I worked too much and I basically ran, kind of ran myself out. Um, and then after that, I started to feel a little more, a little less of that panic and urgency and more secure. And I started gradually raising rates because not because I want to be the most expensive, but because it was a way to cut down on work every you know, I would raise my rate. In the beginning, I would raise my rates and then I'd get more clients. And then I raised my rates more and then I would get more clients. But at that, there's a limit, right? So at a certain point, I raised my rates and got fewer clients the next year and then raised them a little and got fewer clients the next year. And each time was a little bit scary, but such a relief to be working less and less. Uh, as I started to feel financially secure and and, and I and I lost that sense of urgency and panic and I started to feel like I could be more choosy work when I want um that was a big shift for me and just an incredible relief which is kind of where I'm at now I don't have too much or too little I'm at this lovely medium pace um it took a long time to get here but I really feel like I could work forever at this medium pace and I don't feel like I'm gonna have to panic because there's no work, nor am I going to have to take every job that comes along and be super busy. I just have this moderate amount of work. I have great clients. I love my clients. I'm really lucky in that, in that way, but it's not so much. And so I still have this time for sports and fun stuff and silly stuff and hanging out and doing nothing. And, you know, I can spend all Sunday reading a book if I want to. That's a great idea. Nice. Sounds like you're yeah. in, sounds like you're in a perfect place in a way. I mean, you know, I really am cold, but it took twenty years. I have to say. Wow. So, what is one thing you would have told twenty or um, Anna from twenty years ago um, now, when she, you know, with a lot of the experience under your belt about starting out? Just get up from the desk. Do not sit at a desk for eight or ten hours a day. It will. That's I think what's what's ruining everybody. Everybody has either a back or a neck issue or a knee pain, you know, and I'm not talking about, I mean, people in their twenties and thirties, young people, everybody is, everybody's is stuck at their computer. We didn't, I mean, that, that didn't exist so much then, but still, I think you need to get outside, <laughs> right? And not just for a photo shoot, but get outside in general every day, move, yeah wow it's so like to i don't like making this personal at all but i spoke with um another presenter uh recently who gave great parenting advice uh because he has kids around the same age as me and now i'm listening to your advice here and it's like shit you're right i need to get outside more <laughs> yeah and take your kids outside they'll love it yeah sorry speaking of outside i just my dog asked to go out and then it's raining and she changed her mind so like is your house like a kennel do you have dogs running around everywhere or just we, one or? we just have one dog and one cat right now at the at the max it was two dogs and two cats 
I sort of felt like a kennel. Yeah. You know, in San Francisco, you're only allowed to have four pets total. I didn't know that. You can have two dogs and two cats or four cats, but no more. Really? You have four of anything. You can have four total. Interesting. Yeah. So at one point we were at the max. So outside of weddings and like your professional career, like, uh, and this question's pretty vague, so hopefully it's okay and interpret it that way. But like, what do you care the most about these days? Like right now, looking ahead outside of your own like professional career, like, like you're in a big city, there's a lot of things going on and the States is kind of an interesting place to be in general right now with the political climate, I think. So like, what are some things that you're like interested and excited about or, or maybe less optimistic about? Okay. Wow. That's a big question. Well, the reason I ask, I'm asking that is because it, I don't know, like you don't strike me and this is like the first time we spoke. So there's a lot of assumptions here, but you don't, you don't strike me as the kind of person who like is your work. Like you, you meet some entrepreneurs who like, there's a, there's no real separation between who they are and yeah, personally and as, as a business person. But I feel like, I feel like you have that ability to do the separation. So separating yourself from Anna, the entrepreneur, like what, like what is the most exciting part of your, you know, your non-entrepreneurial life, if you want to put it that way. I used to be that person. Actually, for a long time, I was extremely ambitious and I think it did pay off. I think it paid off. But at this point, I got a little more modest and instead of thinking about my career or my ambition or the mark I'm going to make, I'm just thinking about photos. I'm just thinking about how fun it is the next thing I'm going to make. And because I'm, and, and when you do it that way, and because I'm just thinking about the work itself, I don't have that sense that I need to be doing it all the time. But I do take pictures every day, but I don't have that sense of like, oh, I didn't do enough or it wasn't the right thing or it wasn't enough of it. And I and it's much more important to me that that I find the thing that's that's interesting and and exciting right now, photography wise. But also um, I want to have a life that includes family and friends and getting outside and unplugging. And um, I, I like to learn new things and I like to read, you know, one weekend I just read this whole book about mitochondria. Really? (laughs) You know, like I like to read about science and I like to, um, I like to read my New Yorker magazine and I like fiction and I like to go to the theater and I like to go to the movies and I like to, I like to try things, you know, like last year I took an oil painting workshop and I was like, oh, this is great. Maybe I'll just, when I'm retired, I can be an oil painter, which I don't think is going to happen. But, you know, that <laughs> I like to, if I feel excited about something in that way, I like to follow it. And I think that indirectly that helps my photography because it it keeps it, it keeps it interesting. You got to kind of cross pollinate it so that you're not just in your own little world and talking to the same people over and over again. It becomes an echo chamber and everybody's starting to repeat themselves. It's boring. So indirectly, I feel like for me to have all this curiosity and all these different interests has indirectly helped my photography. I also have given up 
some of the focus on ego and accomplishments and who cares anyway? In a hundred years, nobody's gonna remember any of us. I mean, the most famous photographer, not even wedding photographer, but the, any photographer in a whole, in a hundred years is not really gonna be a household word or, you know, it's the best you can do is have fun and, and do, and do, you know, like find what, what, um, what grabs you and, and what, what you're interested in. Yeah. God damn it. I love talking to you. Oh, you're so sweet. It's great. No, like, <laughs> I, like that, I think that's a perfect, like a perfect stamp on things in a way. Cause like, I, as I said, we've never spoken before, but I was, I was so curious about how do you stay interested for so long? And I think you just answered it there. Like just live an interesting life, pursue your passions and everything will work out. <laughs> but no, that's it. That's, that's like, let's use that as the, uh, the perfect conclusion to this. Thank you so much for this. It's, it's been really nice speaking with you and, and you coming to Rome means a lot to us. And we're really, glad, we're really glad that like, you're very busy. We know that. And we're really, really happy that you're, you're able to squeeze that into your schedule. I'm so glad I get to go to Rome and see you. And see you. And you're going to see a lot of people, a lot of Italians who maybe don't speak Yay. English. We'll see. <laughs> Good. Then I'll have to learn Italian. That'll be great. That, yeah. Like you, went, you can segue <laughs> from oil painting to, to Italian over the next couple, couple months. <laughs> yeah. I love Italian language. Well, it's been cool speaking with you. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Thank you very much for, uh, for this conversation. And uh, okay. enjoy, enjoy San Francisco rain weather. I will. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Ci vediamo. That's Anna Cooperberg, wedding photographer and presenter at Way Up North in Rome, April 2016. If you're interested in more details about Anna or about Way Up North, head over to our website wayupnorth.co. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under at Way Up North and on Twitter and Snapchat under at Way Up North event. Thanks for listening and talk soon. is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows and this is one we think you're going to love. Hi folks, this is Rick Wilson from The Daily Beast's The New Abnormal. And I'm Molly Jongfest, a left-wing pundit and editor-at-large at The Daily Beast. I'm also an editor-at-large at The Daily Beast, a former Republican political strategist, best-selling author, and full-time troublemaker. Every Tuesday and Friday, we have fun, sharp conversations with people like Mary Trump, who reveal why her uncle is the worst president we've ever had. Or Ben Stiller on how the world of comedy is changing thanks to our political landscape. Tune in to The New Abnormal to hear us have fun conversations about a world gone mad. Acast is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.